Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President Day. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Welcome our affiliate radio stations all across the United States, and thanks to our facilitator, Block Talk Radio. What a great show we have on tap today. We have got a lot to talk about. If you've been under a rock, we're going to get you out from underneath that rock. Miles Granite, my... Miles Garrett, sorry, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer there in Pittsburgh gets themselves into a brawl in the pound, as we call the show today. So we're going to be kicking things off right away. We're talking about that throughout the whole day. And uh, standing by in the balance green room is Adam Jevedin, Super Browns fan. Going to break that down. The X's and the O's. What does it mean? What happened? We will get to the bottom of it. 917 or digits. We're, we're kind of swapping things around a little bit. We're going to get into college football in the next segment. And then we'll catch up on racing at the top of the hour. And then at the bottom of our last segment, the bottom of the second hour, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show, joins us to continue this conversation uh, about the brawl in the pound. And, of course, bringing us up to speed with everything that's going on in the NFL my name is Tom Mark Wassell, President Day, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Stick around. It's about to get good. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. 
Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones, the, hey, I look good with this ones, the black, brown, red, and gray ones, the itchy ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad, the I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives, because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. Didn't like the way that he was tackled. Oh, gosh. Man. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Rips the helmet wow. off Rudolph's head and then eventually swings it and hits him in the head. And then Ogunjobi comes up and hits Rudolph from behind. Beyond words, oh, Joe. Oh, gosh. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen. All right. Welcome back to Balance. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. Well, I'll tell you what. Thanks to our friends over there at Fox for allowing us to use that audio uh, from Thursday night's game. At the end of the game, the Steelers had already, I mean, the Browns had already won the game. There was no need for this to happen tonight. And standing by in the balanced green room, I mean, we sh- is uh, Adam Jevedin. Adam, super Browns fan. How are you, sir? 
I'm all right, man. How are you doing, Tom? Already got in a good uh, morning workout, and now I'm hopping on here with you. Was that, does that mean you were chasing the young one around the house? Is that was that your uh, no? That morning means workout? I was doing like CrossFit for hours. Oh, look at minutes. you doing the CrossFit stuff. All right, I'll, I will admire you from far. I I will uh, just uh, <laughs> let you let you go on about doing that. But hey, let's let's uh, t- talk about you know we really should be talking about a mammoth win uh by the by the Browns against the Steelers who were by all accounts on the road back to uh the playoffs. A lot of people had discounted the Browns and a remarkable performance by Baker Mayfield. An incredible game. But no, no, that's not what we're gonna talk about. Although that's what we should be talking about. Let's break this down by the numbers and I know we could point fingers all day long. Mason Rudolph is probably not the saint in this either. Uh but at the same time there's fights all the time in the NFL. We see it every week. It, you know, people bump and grind, and they usually hit, maybe throw a punch or something uh, with a helmet on. Where things went sideways is when he decided to remove the – and it's one thing, let's get the scuffle, he loses his helmet. No, he actually ripped the helmet off Mason uh, Rudolph. Now, I know Rudolph tried to do the same thing to Miles Garrett, but then not only with that, not only that, he – Swung at him more than once, one time connected him in the head. And let's keep in mind that just this is his first week back from a concussion protocol. There's a lot of talk about criminal charges here. Not sure if that's going to happen, but this was way beyond the line. As a Browns fan, you're watching this. Uh, first of all, if you're kitchens, you gotta you got to nip this in the bud like right now. And... <laughs> I know the NFL has handed down the suspension for the rest of the season to include possibly the postseason, uh, and I'm sure he'll get fined, and there's other stuff to come down. But the Browns, Kitchens, and the front staff need to cut ties right now with Miles Garrett. Go ahead, uh, Adam. The floor is yours. Hey, okay, so a couple things. One, that's an incredibly steep overdramatics, overdramatization. You don't cut a dude. So, so here's, here's why. A, this is – he's had a couple, I mean, stupid roughing the passer penalties, but he's not been a dirty player his entire career. He no, does a ton of civic right. work in the community. He made a mistake. And, he, he, and granted, he was 100% instigated into this mistake. Now, did he lose his head? Yeah, I'm not going to say he shouldn't be suspended. I'm not going to say Miles Gary didn't do anything wrong. But if you watch the tape really slowly, here's a few things that happened. One, Mason Rudolph, he just got sacked. That's it. And, and Max Kellerman, I never agree with Max Kellerman. Well, let's let's time out there. As we, as we talk about this going slowly, I just want to make sure that we, we get the terminology right for novice fans. He didn't just get sacked. The, pl- the ball had already been released. This was after the play. Miles Garrett drilled him and, and, and held him to the ground. And okay, he got into a little tough. He, he wasn't sacked. He didn't, he he didn't drill sacked. him. He, he didn't drill him, though. Like, that was a relatively easy hit. After, like, it was a hit that's delivered. Not, well, it didn't even get a – if it was a he got drilled after the throw, he would have gotten – and the league would have addressed it. He would have gotten a roughing the passer penalty. There wasn't even a roughing the passer penalty. Then Rudolph tries to rip his helmet off, and as Garrett is trying to stand up, Rudolph kicks him square in the groin. And then at which case, then, that's where Garrett rips his helmet off, which I agree shouldn't have happened. 
And then Rudolph continues to charge him as he's getting basically grabbed by two, two teammates, and that's the point where he just – and I think this is a point of where, A, where are the officials at to, to break this thing up? They were nowhere to be seen with six seconds left in the game. Like, dude, what the heck are you freaking officiating besides watching the quarterback? Then this happens where he has three guys on one with a third coming, and he just kind of loses it. Does he swing? Yes. Should he have done that? No. Should the suspension be as long as it is? I would say, sure, I'll even accept that. But for people to say that Miles Garrett should be kicked out of the league when he's never done anything like this, when you have guys going to his defense like DeMarcus Ware and Cameron Jordan, um, Vaughn Miller, that are like, we trained with this guy in the offseason. I never would have expected anything, anything to this degree. Why is the guy that started the fight not you – know, he's being fined. Dude, dude tried to rip his helmet off, but apparently isn't strong enough to get it off with Miles' head, and then kicked him in the groin and still continued to try to instigate it. Miles then gets dropped to the ground – and Marquise Pouncey starts throwing haymakers and stomping on him while he's on the ground. See, this is the thing. This is where, as a Browns fan, I'm getting frustrated because I'm going, yeah, Pouncey got three games. But it's like Miles did something very wrong. But, like, the Steelers, basically, they got that deal. Or, or the, the Mason Rudolph got that. And like, well, but, you know, he just came out of concussion protocol. Who freaking cares? then don't try to rip the helmet off of a 6'5 defensive lineman, you idiot. Like, this is the part of me where I'm going like, all right, guys, like, a part of this is Stephen A. Smith and stupid media idiots that are running 1,000 miles an hour because for once New York, the New York Jets don't have to look like complete idiots, which is what he does all the time. But I feel like this, is, this has gotten so far out of control because on what if, if we – it's Tom, if we ran the country by what ifs, I'll just say it because you and I tend to agree on most of the things. If we were in our country on what ifs, we would probably have a different president at the moment. You can't run on what ifs. You have to run on what happened. Like, could Mason Rudolph have been hurt? Sure, but he wasn't. Could these things have happened? Yes, but he wasn't, or they didn't. And to change the facts literally immediately after it happened. Like Joe Buck was like, oh, my gosh, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. Does everybody not remember when uh, – and I know it was a long time ago. And for those of you that don't – haven't studied, like, the history of sports, Joe Buck's dad called a game in which Rudy Tomjanovich got punched in the face Bob and Buck, it collapsed yeah. his entire face. How, what happens when a, when a pitcher throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball to dude's head? That's just like, well, it's a part of the game. Now, I'm not saying this is a part of the game at all. It's not. And, again, Miles Garrett deserves to be suspended. But to say that he should be kicked out of the league, he's come forth with a statement saying, you know what, I lost my head. I'm incredibly sorry. And, and what he's going to do to make up for it is he's already said he's going to use his time in, in, as being suspended, and he's going to go teach and work with area kids in Cleveland about how to better control your anger or your temper when things aren't going in favor for you. Like this isn't just a case of like, like yeah, he was one hundred percent instigated. Well, and, 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 thing, and, you know, there's a... 
there's a lot of moving parts to this, and we'll, we'll break down those parts. And, and trust me, I totally understand that this was a situation that got out of control. Mason Rudolph, obviously frustrated about losing the game. Uh, he's the backup quarterback. I mean, he's, he's I mean, still in the pressure. Don't tell me that mm-hmm. he's – yeah, he's, he's also not, like, pissed off because he had a crappy game. So here's the here's the, I, the I mean, thing I get I here here's I get that that Miles Garrett was uh was it was into a scuffle okay so it's one thing to get into a scuffle get into a fight and I think we both agree that 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 it escalated to a point and it should have never escalated but to say that oh well what he's going to do use his time to go uh, teach kids how to to uh, uh, channel their anger in sports. Why is he only doing that now? Why would why wouldn't he be doing that? He says he has a lot of the community. Already, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying why he's already why, been doing why that. Why now? This, he, basically, what he said is he already he already works with the kids in the community. Miles Garrett is one of the most involved members of the NFL yeah, I, I agree, I agree in with their that. local I community. Know, I do know that, and and, 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 and he already does it. He's media, basically I'm, like, well, if he's already said, he, all he's saying is if that's what. If I'm going to be suspended, I may as well make good use of it. Is all he's is all he's saying, and he's saying, if this is what I normally do, I'm just going to increase it. So, like, this is the thing is, is he's already wor- what I'm saying is he's already working to admit his wrongdoing. But this, these are things that like Indomitian Sue, you never heard from Indomitian Sue. Indomitian Sue like stepped on someone's like throat, and 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 he was like, well, I never saw the tape. Like he's already admitted his wrongdoing. He's apologized for it. And he's saying, like, okay, what can I do to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Now, as a Browns front office, I think they go – I think you have to treat this similar to, like, how you would treat a guy that if you sign, like, for example, like a Vontaze Perfect, where it's like you get one strike because you have a history now. If you screw up again, that, that's it, bro. That's it. And I think that's, what that's the approach they're going to take with Miles. It's like, all right, Miles. You got to earn it. Now, the other thing that I do feel like this is going to, what this is going to impact, though, in a big way, is how the Browns look at his contract moving forward, because he's going to be a free agent in two seasons, and so and so getting off of his rookie deal, and so they may go, you know, like this is going to give him a chance to either make right of it, and 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 you know what, prove it was a one, it was a, it was a it was a single mistake that doesn't define him, or it's going to be. It could begin the end of what's an incredibly promising career as the number one pick out of Texas A&M. That's how it's going to go. Well, here's here's the thing. We 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 can uh, talk about the what ifs, which are important, even though we don't. We, we, here's the thing: if the roles were reversed, if this was had happened to Baker Mayfield, I, I mean, would we be having a different discussion? I don't know. But here's what I am saying: if is. It was, I would be saying the same thing because to, to take a dude who is never so, – so, like, let's put the shoe on the other foot, okay, and use a stealer that I respect but is currently he's, – he's going to be injured for this. Let's just say this was Ryan Shazier in his prime. I'd say the same thing about Shazier. I know the guy that Shazier was in college because he went to Ohio State. I know the work that he did in the community in Pittsburgh. I know how revered he is by his teammates. If the shoe had been, if Chazier had done that to, to Garrett, where there's no history of that stuff, it'd be one thing. 
if James Harrison did that, I'd be like, dude, you got to go because this is like strike number 12. Here's that's, the thing. That's because that here, here, here's here's the thing. What we I think the NFL did the right thing. They they acted swiftly and they, they suspended him properly. Um, you know, it's totally up to the Browns on whether or not they keep him. And and they they might. There, you know, a lot of the reasons you state, I know that this oh, is the first they, time. They, they're not they're not going to let him go. Trust me, that's not going to happen. Well, because again, if if Garrett had shown no remorse, I think they would move on. But well, he had to show remorse. Instantly, I think anybody, anybody, anybody in that situation, for the most part, unless absolutely. you're just an outright thug, would have uh, showed remorse for that. S- situations happen, but what I am saying is, where he he took it to the next level is again. You mentioned his mammoth size uh, it, compared to uh, Mason Rudolph's size. And you look at the weight of the helmet, and you look at the fact that uh, he just cut off a, a concussion protocol, just got back in. Had he connected right, would we be having a different discussion? Would we be having a different discussion? I know this is a what if, but hey, that's a pretty big what if. Uh, I, I, let's say I go in and to a gas station with a gun. I didn't shoot anybody, but if the gun had went off or if I'd shot somebody, I could have killed somebody. Is that going to change what I did any wrong or any less? Here's the thing. The what if of this, if he had connected in the right way and knocked him out, could have killed him, we'd be having a way different right. discussion other than, you know, so we need to talk about the what yeah, if. But, we you, need but to- Tom, you can't, you, you can't do that, though. You have to govern on what happened. If you're talking suspending the dude indefinitely for life, because if you go into a gas station, let's just say we'll use that scenario, armed robbery. Is the sentence for armed robbery and the sentence for murder the same? I don't know. I'm not, not a lawyer. I'm sure, I'm sure they're, that they're it not. depends. My, I, I can tell you, I've, I've had a family member that was murdered. It's not. Well, like, I, we're, the getting the, we're, not getting, we're getting off in the week. We're getting off in the week, sir. But the point still stands. The point still stands. You can't go off of what if. If you're governing and you're ruling and you're assigning punishment, you can't go off of, well, what could have happened? If you take a gun into a gas station and you fire it and it kills someone is a very different punishment than if you fire it and it misses everyone. It, okay, we'll stop it, talking it about is. gas and stations so and, and we'll we'll say, we'll stop talking about gas stations and robbery. We don't want this this show to go in, into uh, left but field the here. Point is, but, the, the thing is, is that you can't go. You can't go. Here's Garrett. You you the second you go, well, his size matters. Everybody in the NFL is big. Is Garrett bigger than most? Yes, but at the same time, the, again, I point to two things. I go. I, I'm, I'm going – blame is assigned for me in three areas. One is with – uh, four areas. One is with Miles Garrett. One is with Mason Rudolph for starting the whole daggone thing. One is on Freddie Kitchens. Dude, get your team disciplined. Our, the Browns have been the most undisciplined team in the league all flipping season. It's been a problem that every week he's like, yeah, you know, we're working on it. Shut up, Freddie, and get it right. If you don't know how to be a head coach and a play caller, stop being a play caller and be a head coach. And, and then the, the, the fourth aspect is I put it on, where's the officials? The officials 
didn't run in until after that happened. I mean, you watch the NBA. If there is a fight, there was a fight a couple weeks ago between Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns. The officials were on it in roughly like 10 seconds. Where were they at? Even if, because generally what happens is, is those guys see the officials and that is kind of a mental trigger. I need to back this thing down. Where's the back judge? They were almost in the end zone. That's literally where he stands and what he's there for. Where was he at? I just, there's a lot of blame to go around. And right now, everybody is throwing it clearly on the shoulders of Miles Garrett because it's convenient. Now, do I think, again, should he be punished? Yes. I feel, as a Browns fan, unless Freddie pulls off some miracle, he has to be fired. I don't even care if he finishes out the season undefeated. Because we so have saying, done so off the back of a week's schedule. So let's, let's, let's get back control of the show here because uh, I'm the host. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, Adam. I'm going to take that Kool-Aid away from you, Adam. I'm just kidding with you. So you, you're right as far as uh, Freddie Kitchens goes as the, as the head coach. There's been so many problems. But to put the blame on him uh, because your grown-ass man player can't be disciplined enough to, to not hit somebody in the head with a helmet, No. I don't buy that. Oh, no. Here's the thing. This was – Tom, this is a – this this is a – the firing isn't simply because of this. This is the no, next, final nail in the coffin because they've been – he's been the worst coach in the NFL this year. No, totally And agree. I don't even think it's he, close. He needs to be a one but, and done. I totally so, agree with you on that. Yeah, and so, and so this is not a – this is not a he has to take responsibility for Miles – what he has to take responsibility for is a culture of undiscipline. Miles has had a couple roughing the passer penalties. He's had a couple, a couple times where, and not just Miles, but our team has had a couple times where they're getting into some of these scuffles or things a little after the play. We lead the league in personal foul and unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. You know who never leads the league in those things? The Patriots. Or good teams. You never see teams to have success that have the amount of dumb penalties that we do. And that starts with Freddie. And so I'm going this, not saying that Freddie is to blame for what happened, but Freddie's culture that he, or lack of culture that he has not built, has not really tried to establish, and has not gotten better is what ultimately drove something like this to happen. If you ask a lot of Browns fans, having watched every single game, now do I think that the degree was more than any of us expected? Yes. But is anybody shocked that there was a fight against a divisional rival that we hadn't beaten in five years and spent the entire week talking trash? No. My, that's that's, that's summing up right here. That's team. where Miles Garrett probably could have enjoyed the win. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we should be talking about a great oh, win. Oh, I wish we were. I wish we were. I, so I'm way, also when going. I look at the play. I look at the play. I I still don't know what was the need to. Okay, let's not call it drill. Let's call it. But there was no need to tackle him as hard as he did after the play. 
And it would be uh, one thing if they were losing and there was the frustration of a loss there. Right. But there's there's a part of me that goes, Freddie, you need to go to your, your defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, and go, hey, guys, there's six seconds. Let's just have everybody drop back. There's no reason that we need to. Like, that's what I'm saying. He's already there's won the game. gaffes galore. Exactly. There's go- coaching mistakes galore that this shows that Freddie doesn't know what it means to manage a team. That's why I'm going, Freddie, this is, this is just, you know what? Not cut out for you, dude. And there's just, the, the NFL, being a head coach, has been, has been called one of the hardest jobs in the world. And that's why you see so few guys succeed. And so because of that, if you spot a guy that can't do it, and then something like this happens, there also has to be some culpability to that. And that's, that's all I'm saying. Again, I'm not saying Garrett shouldn't be suspended. I'm just saying, like, some of the degrees of which people are taking it. I'm, I'm even saying, you know what, if he's suspended for the whole year, okay. Because, again, nothing like this has ever happened before, and you do need to set a precedent of saying this should not happen again. And does it suck that it happened to a guy that I really like and I really – yeah, it does. But, like, but again, I would, I'd be saying the same thing if it was against us, going, you know what? If it's a dude that has shown and he does great work in the community, he does all these things, you know what? Guys get, guys get mistakes all the time. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, for, for how long did the NFL let things like domestic violence go until the Ray Rice thing kind of changed everything? And so from that perspective, I'm going, let's give this dude one last shot. Now, he, he makes another – Big mistake? Yeah. Let, you know what? This is, the, 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 the football field is not a place to try to murder somebody. 100%. So you got one shot, Miles, and you got to prove that we weren't that, – that, that you're worthy of that one, one shot. And that's, what he, and, that's, and that's how they're going to operate, and I think that's how they should operate. Now, again, if he, if he gets into another big thing with a quarterback, or frankly, with anybody, I'm going to go, Miles, you are not you, – you do not have the temperament to represent – the Cleveland Browns, and thank you for your time, but there's the door. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the way that I think we have to look at it. But at the same time, like I said, Freddie, Freddie, has, to, Freddie has to take responsibility for the culture that he built. But I hope that in a similar way that I was a fan on the other side of the famous brawl as an Indiana Pacers fan, of, I watched the game against Detroit where the Malice mm-hmm. and the Palace happened. I was watching it mm-hmm. on ESPN, and I'm sitting there as a Pacers fan going, this is an embarrassment to me as my team. And, is exa- and that's how I feel again today. And so I just, I just think you have to – that's how you have to approach it. As you approach it, you can't look two years down, the, down the, the, the pipe. You have to go, here's what you have to do tomorrow, and if you do that well, then you get to do this tomorrow. And if you do that well, then you get this. And that's the way you take it. It's no different than, than working with people that are in, you know, in, in significant – that, that have experienced significant trouble in their personal lives. So it's, it, it, you just take it that, that very much you lay out the path, they have to succeed, and if they deviate from the path, they're done. No, I, I agree. There, there has to be a precedent that's, that's set here. And, and certainly I just think this is a big story to talk about because not just what you are good to have on because it did happen with the Browns, but it could have been any player, insert player, insert team here. Whenever you take off your helmet and you hit a 
basically defenseless person in the head. And and, and not only that, there okay, there was multiple swings of the helmet. So he was trying to hit him in the head with the helmet. This wasn't a, a thing where it's just like, well, I lost my cool. Well, you lost your cool. You made us. Uh, players were trying to break you up. Were trying to push you apart. You still continue to swing as players were holding you back. You knew what you were doing was wrong, but it didn't matter in the moment. So, right, and and, and, and that's what yeah, and and that's why I just again, I'm I'm not I'm not defending Miles like at all, because his what he did is indefensible, and he even said that, like. It's but to say that as someone who has shown no history of that, you're you're done completely. We just that's a really big stretch. That's just I, I, and I, and again, I feel like to to go there, but to lay out a very clear path of rehabilitation and saying this is what you have to do. If you even deviate from that path, that counts as your next strike. That's the way you 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 just have to look at it. Adam Jimenez, Super Browns fan. Adam, uh, you wanna you wanna sit around and talk some college football? Rick's not gonna be able to join us. He had something come up, uh, but you're more than welcome to stick around and talk some college football with us. I can I can stick around, yeah, for a little bit to talk about. I, I told I told our our buddy Kyle Courtney. Thank God for Ohio State. I tried to get him on. He, he's, I think he, he didn't want any part of this conversation today. <laughs> he's like, um, I think I got something going on. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I, I actually turned the game off, and um, I, I got sidetracked. I had never seen Guardian of the Galaxies. Uh, well, I know to you be fair, off. who watches the last six seconds of a blowout? This is true. Or of a of a game that's completely decided. Like it just, I don't blame you for turning it off. It was over. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll regroup on the other side, and we'll get into some college football talk and uh, some uh, Disney's uh, domination of uh, of making me download an app just to watch Guardian of the Galaxy. That's, that's I'm just saying. Hey, you know. Well, it is what it is. But we'll get. We'll get. I know you're a big Marvel fan, so. <laughs> We'll see what happens. My name's Mark Wasabi. 917-889-8516 are digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Double the fun at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. 
see live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the black, brown, red, and gray ones, the itchy ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad, the I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives, because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. turn my mic on. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Lizelle, Presidente. Uh, joining us uh, still is Adam Dividend, Super Browns fan, uh, helping us break down the the brawl in the pound on Thursday night. Miles Garrett and uh, Mason Rudolph getting in, into a nasty fight. Uh, lots of fingers being pointed, lots of things to be said, lots of hot takes to be said. Depending on where, what side of the fence that you're on, but I think everybody can agree that it escalated to a point that it shouldn't escalate. If you want to talk about the brawl in the pound, give us a call nine one seven eight nine eight five one six. We're going to shift over to um, college football. We want to get into the Ohio State talk, IU talk, all the college football talk. But I got see, I'm not in. I'm not a Marvel groupie like you, so. Bring this full speed. Thursday night, watching the game, blah, 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 blah. I texted a friend. She's like, uh, watch the Guardian of the Galaxy. I said, I've never seen it. And she's like, oh, you should watch it. And I was just like, okay. But what else do I got going on? So I was looking for it in Netflix and everywhere, and I, I couldn't find it. So I texted her back. I said, I can't find 
this uh, uh, Guardian of the Galaxy. She's like, oh, you got to download Disney Prime or whatever it's called. I'm like, what? So now I so I download that and I start watching that and I fall asleep. So I still got to finish Guardian of the Galaxy. But uh, first of all, I downloaded and I paid for this Disney Prime. Adam, was it worth my money? <laughs> yes. Tom, okay. Disney Plus is amazing, and you need to watch The Mandalorian. It's the new uh, Star Wars bounty hunter show that's made by John Favreau, and it's phenomenal. There have been two episodes. See, it's really good. I did see where they have a lot of the other one, like the Star Wars. they got the National Geographic on there. Um, so I may have to go in and watch me some cars or something. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's, it's, Disney Plus is really, really good. Let's get into the conversation here, and certainly uh, if you guys want to cast your vote, do so. Um, I'm going to give you a series of Marvel movies. Oh, I set off Siri for some reason. Uh, probably because I said Siri. <laughs> Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, all the Avengers series, we'll just lump them into one, Ant-Man, Thor, uh, Civil War in Captain America. Rank those in orders from best to worst. Oh gosh, I don't know if you can because all the Avengers movies are different. So the the best Avengers, the best Marvel movie is the culmination. It was a, a, a Infinity War and Endgame, which was, which were both three hours long, but they are it's basically two parts of the same story. Those two rival, like, the Lord of the Rings trilogy in terms of, like, epic volume. And then when you figure, like, Endgame took a decade to get to, Endgame is the most ambitious movie, in my opinion, that's ever been accomplished with all of the stars, a 10-year storyline that you have to execute. And not only do you pull it off to meet fan expectations, you actually did better than fan expectations in every way imaginable. So... Infinity War and Endgame might be – it's known as the Infinity Saga. It, it, it might be my favorite movies of all time. Oh, wait a minute. Um, Better than Jungle there, Book? Oh, yes. Um, hey. From there, I think you go – oh, gosh. Guardians is really good, both one and two. The first two Thor movies were okay, but Thor Ragnarok was really good. Um Captain America and the Winter Soldier is still, of all of the single titles, is my favorite um, because it's, it's like part Captain America, part like spy movie. Um, it's really fantastic. What about the Iron Man? Um, I'd say those are like my top three. Iron Man's okay. really good. The problem with Iron Man, well, the first two Iron Man movies are very similar to each other, the first two, and then the third one was just okay. For, at their level, it's kind of like saying like a Pixar movie is just okay. Like a just okay Pixar movie is still better than almost anything else. And then that, that's how you would that's what you would say with like Iron Man three. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, uh, college football Ohio State guru, and the subject matter expert when it comes to Marvel movies. Uh, but another buddy of mine watches them a lot. He said if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, you got to watch Ant Man. Uh, what's it, where's Ant Man at? Ant Man's really good. Okay. Yeah, See, because Ant-Man's I like really good. Ant Man's different. It's because it's a lot more comedic, similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. 
So if you're looking for something that's more, like I said, like an action movie, then you watch Winter Soldier. But if you, what you need to do, Tom, is you need to say, this is the kind of movie I want to watch. Which Marvel movie fits that genre? And I'll give you one. All right. Uh, I like Where the comic. I like the, like the Guardian of the Galaxies, and I like, like the Deadpool-type movies. And I do like that. I still have to finish Guardian of the Galaxy, but I have to admit, for some reason, I'm liking the little raccoon. He's my fave. Rocket's awesome, yeah. <laughs> he cracks me up. All right, well, let's get into some conversation of college football uh, talk. Certainly, we can continue the Marvel conversation or, or the Miles Garrett conversation. But, you know, one of the biggest stories in college football, whether or not you're an IU fan or not, and I am, clearly I am, and I know Ohio State is, is um, I think, the ring second uh, behind LSU. But we can want to break down some of these big games and stuff that's going on. Uh, but for the first time in as many years as I can remember, IU is ranked, and even though they're only ranked 24 um, in the, uh, I think it's the AP poll, that's, that's a huge accomplishment. And, it, it, you know, here's the thing. Minnesota is unbeaten. Minnesota beat Penn State. If we beat Penn State today, how mammoth of a story is that? I, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's that'd be huge. I mean, just from a perspective of IU being seen as a program, you know, crawling out of the depths. You know, I think I think the Big Ten needs that those needs schools like Minnesota, needs programs like IU to to start to improve how they're seen nationally, um, because for some reason. Mid-tier SEC schools that would get absolutely murdered by their top conference team and Big Ten schools that are similar but get absolutely murdered by their top competition are seen in two different lights. And they can be like, well, you know, because on neutral field, Florida would beat the crap out. We don't know that. In fact, if you look over like the last several years, outside of the top team or two, the SEC struggles in bowl games even though they're heavily favored in most of them. And, they, and you know, the old SEC excuse is always like, well, you know, the guys just weren't really motivated to play because it's not for a championship. <laughs> Stop. Um, so, you know, you get that crap from, like, the Paul Feinbaums of the world, who's just a giant SEC. Or Tim Brando, when Tim Brando used to work for CBS, but now that he works for Fox, he's like, yeah, I had to say all these things for the SEC. Uh, but, you know, I just, I just think that having IU be good is awesome. Uh, it's it's great for the state um, because there's just a new energy uh, around the program. I would love I loved when Ohio State and IU games these those handful of years when they were like close, they were great games. And I think anytime you can bring up the overall competition level in the conference, it's a good thing. Uh, I have no problem um, seeing them succeed and especially come bowl season i'd love to see iu match up against like auburn and beat the crap out of them it would be awesome let's get into some of these big games uh, i want to get into the notre dame navy game here just a moment rick Rickett can't join us uh, uh he had something come up on the home front that he's happened to take care of appreciate adam jividen sticking around for some overtime with us and talking some college football uh with us Stay in the Big Ten here for a little bit before we get into some of these other games. Um, number 15, Michigan hosts Michigan State. Big in-state rivalry, uh, huge in-state rivalry. But are we 
both as shock at the beginning of the season we're talking about Jim Harbaugh he's on the, he's on the hot seat uh Michigan is way overrated we're having a completely different conversation about uh the Michigan Wolverines today than what than what we were at the beginning of the season yeah hey, I'm not surprised who they beaten they beat Notre Dame in a monsoon like if you put that game in a not monsoon where Ian Book can actually get the ball down the field I think I think maybe a different story uh, but that's their only decent win. You wait two weeks, and we'll see what happens. If if Michigan is within three scores of Ohio State, I'll be like, all right, good job, guys. Like, you, you, <laughs> you aren't as bad as I thought you were. Because yeah, you their offense re- is terrible. They, you they don't, I don't – I'm not even – I'm not even – I'm so not worried about them that I can refer to them by name. Because it's, it's, <laughs> the rivalry with Penn State has been more of a rivalry in recent years than Michigan. Uh, you tell me what in any game. When you have, and then you have Don Brown. Sure, well, you know, Ohio State, they need to be careful because we're really getting our defense together. Okay, Don Brown. Like, you, who have you beaten? And this is what they do every year. Last year they had that big revenge tour, and we're coming to Columbus, and we're going to beat the crap out of you. And then we hang the most points on them in program history. And here's the, here's the best part, Michigan. Our offense is better this year than it was last year. Good luck with that. And your defense <laughs> is worse, and our defense is better. So, like, I was breaking down the Ohio State roster just the other day, position by position, against the 2014 team that won the national title against that vaunted Alabama team and then boat raced Oregon in the national championship. And here's the scary thing, Tom. This team, position by position, is better. This is the most dominant Ohio State team I've ever seen. And they're getting better every week. If, if Rutgers, for crying out loud, Maryland wouldn't, if we didn't bench our starters at the end of the second quarter, we might have scored 100. Like, it was, <laughs> no, that's how bad it was. There, there, is a, I, there was never going to be a ball game with, with, you and, with you and Maryland. Wisconsin and Nebraska today. Wisconsin, I, I, I think, has been a bit of a – talking about the teams where they were at the beginning of the season to where they are now. I think Wisconsin has been a, kind of a letdown. Nothing really to see here there. No, they're there. Yeah, I just, they're held back by their quarterback, like always. Like the, I feel like that's the story every year for Wisconsin. Is it's like their defense is solid, their running game is good, they have a great offensive line. If their quarterback is remotely competent, they'll win 10 games. That's kind of the MO for Wisconsin. And, and once again, it was pro- proven, Jack Cohen, not really competent. Uh, but they've got a good freshman in the wings. Who knows? It may, he may be good later. I think Nebraska, Nebraska is like they're just they're just a hot mess. I think Wisconsin wins just because Nebraska sucks again. Yeah, a total disappointment there because there a couple of years ago with their new hire coach hire thought they were really going to turn things around, but they've been a disappointment as well. Let's move on across the uh, top 25 of what's going on. Oklahoma State hosts uh, the Kansas uh, Jayhawks. Not a lot to see here. I certainly think Oklahoma takes care of business and checks off another box today. Yeah, Oklahoma State, good program. Less, Kansas is terrible. Kansas is like the Maryland Rutgers of the Big 12. I mean, they're just not good. But, I mean, if you think about it, like – 
what from a recruiting's perspective, like what would make a top recruit be like, I want to play football at Kansas? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> at least it was like guys were close to Chicago. Like that's just, that's kind of the <laughs> Yeah, Kansas just, is yeah, definitely it's just, a, it's just, it's bad. Definitely a basket, basketball. Hey, you know, let's, let's veer off into basketball just to have the conversation. We're, we're not going to be having this conversation about University of Evansville in March, but it's fun to have that University of Evansville beating Kentucky in November conversation now. That was huge. I, 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 I'm from Evansville, so I, I mean, I, I like the Aces. I'm not a, I don't have a dog in that fight per se, but I hate UK, and so anytime you can beat UK, I'm I'm dog, okay with that. Hating UK is the same as having a dog in the fight because I hate UK. <laughs> so like, <laughs> true. It's no true different. That. Like, like but, I root for Ohio how, State how and everyone that plays Michigan. That's right. So, how big? How big was that? I mean, that. I mean, that had huge national implications. Every national sports talk show in the nation was talking about that game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of those things. If Evansville can just have like a like, that's the we can hang this. We can remember when this happened. Because not only did they beat Kentucky, this isn't like a Billy Gillespie Kentucky team that was like, well, Kentucky's Kentucky, but only kind of. Like, those Billy Gillespie teams weren't even making the tournament. Evansville beat the number one team in the country. Yeah, they did. That's freaking incredible. I mean, like, and, and... and the best part is, it was it wasn't even like a Maui Invitational thing where the, like the excuse could be like, well, you know, they were like in Hawaii and they like, you know, they were caught up in all the tra- they beat them at home, dude. This is straight up Appalachian State going into Michigan and knocking like it's <laughs> we're that still, level. Kind we of are win. still talking about that game, aren't we? We are still talking about that Appalachian game. State. <laughs> well, but, but, but we'll be doing the same thing with Evansville. We'll be like, Absolutely. dude, do you remember when that happened? Like, it's just because the number one team will typically, whoever's number one, on average, loses. Who's, who's number one within the first couple weeks of the season? On average, loses four games a year, barring humongous injury. That's kind of the average is four to six games a year. Okay? If they lose four to six games a year, and you're one of the teams that knocks them off at home, and you're a program like Evansville that most people in the United States couldn't even tell you where that town is located. <laughs> that's a you're right about that. That's a Evan big what? deal. Evan who? That's Evan, a big. Hey, I who? mean, literally, I had friends that were UK fans on Facebook that were like, "Hey, we're gonna go see UK." Kill Evansville. It's awesome. Like pregame. And I was just like watching their Twitter feed like as it's happening. And they're just like sinking into depression because they got these cheap seats. They all came to watch Ev- like to watch UK basically think it was going to be like a Harlem Globetrotters style expedition or exhibition game. And then they lose. Like it's it fantastic. I was I was loving every second of it. Another big game on tap today. Navy visits Notre Dame. Always a big, big game. Uh, but uh, you know, here's the thing: Navy's a good team. They're, they're seven and one. Uh, um, uh, Notre Dame is seven and two. Navy's always a good team. Very disciplined team. Uh, but I mean, Notre Dame struggled with Army. So I mean, 
or who was it that struggled? I think it was Notre Dame, or maybe it was Michigan. Either which way, Army's not changed their scheme in a long time, and maybe a lot, a lot like that. But this is always a big game to watch. Uh, Notre Dame hosts uh, the Navy Midshipmen. Dude, military academies are are hard, just because they they're they're incredibly sound. They generally do not beat themselves, and they're not afraid of anyone. Because like, who's going to be more intimidating? Like, a college football player or your drill sergeant? Like that's. I mean, <laughs> if you think of, they're just those schools are, the, the service academies are 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 incredibly. Just everything they do, they do it to the best of their ability. And it's just I, – I, I, I get terrified playing – anytime Ohio State has to play a service academy, I'm like, well, this game's going to be rough. And you can't take those results and factor them into, like, anything else. Um, and so do I think Notre Dame will win? I do. Do I think the game is going to be so close that, like, everybody in South Bend is, like, biting their nails? You bet. Because that's how games go against the service academy. Sure. It's generally one of two things. It's either a nail-biter that gets finished out in the last five minutes, or it's an utter blowout. And usually the utter blowouts happen against Air Force because Air Force is not, as, is not at that quality level as their compatriots with the Army and, 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 and the Navy. We could always make Air Force jokes, but we won't because Rick, Rick was an Air Force vet. And I know this was uh, Veterans Day week this week, um, so uh, hats off to what well, Veterans Day was last week. I'm sorry, but either which way, uh, hats off to all the veterans in the service academies as well. All right, let's talk about your Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, sitting at number two, should be number one, but LSU's number one. We know why. Well, heck, they beat Alabama. What a game that was. What a fantastic game that was! Uh, let's talk a little bit about your Ohio State Buckeyes in the in the in the um, in the top twenty-five uh, top rankings, if you will. You've got LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and Bama down to number five. When was the last time we saw that? Go ahead, Adam. Uh, so I'll just get on our game real quick. Uh, you will see starters at halftime, and I'm going to guess a score somewhere in the neighborhood of like seventy-two to seven or three they'll get some sort of score like in the second half against our backup backups because our second team could probably beat Rutgers by like 40 um, <laughs> uh, I think the rankings are honestly kind of ridiculous when you consider that Georgia lost to South Carolina at home who just lost to Western Carolina like are you serious and then they're like well you know they have quality opponents in, in Notre Dame and Auburn. I'll, I'll give you – Notre Dame's a solid program. They're not as good as they were last year, but it's still a good school. They're really being held down by their offensive coordinator, Jeff Long. He does not know how to call a, a, a game for this offense, like, to save his life. Um, but to have Minnesota, who has the second-best win of any team on – in the top 10 in that win last week over Penn State, how are they at eight? I don't understand. How is, how is, how are programs like Oregon and Utah? Because when you go, well, Alabama has not played anybody except LSU. So they've played one tough team 
and lost. I get the argument that, well, I think that Oregon and I think that Minnesota and I think that Utah would lose on a neutral site to Alabama. You can say I think, but Alabama hasn't proven yet that they can beat anybody of good merit. And I, and I thought the whole point of this playoff was that you're going off of what they do this year, not past history. And so I, I think it's kind of ridiculous if Alabama gets that four spot over in this scenario – Let's just say Minnesota wins out but loses in a close game to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, which I don't think that would happen. I think that Ohio State will bludgeon them. Um, I just don't think they have the speed. But let's just say that that happens. And either Oregon or Utah wins out, that Pac-12 team will have won their conference with one loss. We'll use Oregon because they're the best case. Oregon has one loss against Auburn. In that loss against Auburn, they were missing four receivers in their top two tight ends and still barely lost. It took like a Bonex almost Hail Mary to win the game. And then they run a nine-game conference schedule and conference championship game undefeated. If the Pac-12 does not get in, you will see the playoff system as we know it spontaneously combust. They have to blow it up because that essentially means Pac-12, Big 12, I don't care how good you are. You have no margin for error over other conferences, (coughs) SEC, that have wide margins for error, especially if somehow Georgia – Let's just say Georgia and LSU meet in the big in the in the SEC championship game. If Georgia wins that game, you're going to see both LSU and Georgia get in, guaranteed. What? Well, we got to leave that where, And that's where I, I just have a problem with that because you've got. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, I said we got to leave that as the final word. We're coming up to the top of the hour. We got to bail and get into some NASCAR talk. Steve Wilson, editor in chief for Speedway Digest, is standing by in Homestead, Florida. Championship weekend. We had love having Adam Jivinen on. Adam, you're always welcome. Super uh, Browns fan, super Buckeyes fan, uh, and uh, Ohio in general Kool Aid drinker. Last, uh, but <laughs> last word, Tom. I Go think ahead. IU gives Penn State a game, but Penn State squeaks it out. Um, well, I'll say I think Penn State wins by. By four, because I think IU's offense is so much better than a lot of people realize, and their defense is solid. I'm going to go Penn State 27-24. Oh, it's going to be a good game. game It's definitely going to be a a nail-biter, and I'm excited. And I tell you what, I am going to come unhinged and lose my junk if IU beats Penn State. That's what I'll say. Adam, I appreciate you coming on and breaking down this uh, – brawl in the pound if you will miles garrett and, and get your point of view on that and thanks for uh hanging around overtime and filling in for rick and some college football talk no problem tom i'll catch you later buddy <laughs> adam jimidan uh super brownstone brought him on to get the point of view of, of what happened thursday night up in cleveland if you were under a rock or whatever certainly big big uh 
big fight uh, uh, that ensued between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph in a bench-clearing uh, brawl, all-out brawl. Uh, and so a lot to talk about on that. We'll get into that in the, the next segment. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. going to get into some NASCAR talk as we uh, kind of had to switch things around a little bit. But Steve Wilson uh, down at Homestead is uh, uh, joining us. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the black, brown, red, and gray ones, the itchy ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad, the I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives, because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I 
welcome back to the balance one hour in the books thank you adam jividen for spending the last hour with us uh, coming on and uh, talking some nfl getting your uh perspective of the uh brawl in the pound on thursday night big big fight probably one of the biggest i've seen in the nfl in years i certainly would liken it to um the brawl in the palace between the Pistons and uh, the Pacers several years ago. I'm very much similar uh, to that. And then also uh, breaking down some college football, a lot of college football action, Notre Dame and Navy. Big game between IU and Penn State and certainly breaking down the um, college football top 25. But this weekend has come. It is here. We've been uh, racing all year long to get to this point in Homestead, Florida. So it's Race weekend, championship weekend. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, is calling us from Homestead, Florida. I'm sure the weather is much better there than here, uh, uh, Steve. Oh, it's much better than really it is anywhere, to be honest with you. <laughs> you come to Florida, and it's any time of the year. I can I can barely hear you. I don't know if you uh, got us on a on a mute or can you can you hear us? Okay, Steve. Yeah, I, 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 I can hear you. I can hear you better now. Much better now. Much better. So before we get into this, we've been having this conversation about Marvel movies. Are are you a Marvel fan? Do you watch Marvel movies? Mm, no, not really. I'm not really. <laughs> okay. Kind of I, I, I'm not either. I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of watching Guardian of the Galaxies. Then I realized I had to download the Disney Prime. And so I'm just trying to find out. You know what the best Marvel movies out there is since I paid to have this Disney Prime. We'll see if I can get my money's uh, worth on it. But we got a uh, championship weekend. Let's talk about what happened with the trucks. Uh, today we got Xfinity. Tomorrow we got the big boys, big championship on the line. But let's talk about what, what happened last night after you finally got going after the rain down in Homestead. Um, I only got this thing going last night after all that rain, but um... – I mean, there was a pretty good, intense battle up there from Super Freezen and Matt Kraft and uh, Ross and Chastain all pretty much throughout the entire race. We did, uh, you know, I, I, I think we saw some of the best racing there. Um, and the best three race car drivers, I know Brett Moffat was part of it, but, you know, he, he didn't seem to make so much noise last night. Um, but in the end, Matt Crafton took this thing home, but I, I really do think that out of those three drivers, they were probably the best three drivers uh, that we could have had in this field to run for a championship. And, uh, I know that they didn't win the race, and uh, Austin Hill, who started the season off in Daytona with a win, um, won the race, But uh, and he was strong all night long, so you can't take anything away from what he did. And really... Um, you know, Matt Crafton was able to do what Matt Crafton does and go out there and take the championship home for the third time. Talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest down in Homestead, Florida. Matt Crafton wins his third uh, uh, truck championship. Um, we'll see what happens today with the Xfinity race. Uh, uh, Steve, talk with us a little bit about what's going on with the X- Xfinities. Well, I wish we knew more about what's going on with the Xfinity. They, they, they got, I mean, they they washed them out yesterday, so uh, and late afternoon, so they didn't really get a whole lot of time to really do anything. So, um, call finds later on today, and 
we'll have to we'll have to see where uh, these guys are going to stack up and how they're going to race. And I think with the limited amount of time that they've had on the track already, that they um, I mean it should be a good race, but at the same time I think there's just a lot of unknown variables that um, you know just don't really get to didn't really get to see a whole lot and kind of thing goes for Cup and they got washed out totally yesterday and didn't get any practice time in so you know it, it, I think it, it's interesting I always find it interesting when there's less practice I don't think we need more practice by any means and uh, having less practice and may make a better race and you know these cars will be all over the place from from the get go and you know you'll see drivers struggle and you'll see drivers rise to the occasion with their teams and um, I think that's what a lot of fans are looking for to be honest with you. Steve, uh, you mentioned it being a wash yesterday, so they didn't really get a chance to qualify. Are they gonna are they gonna try to qualify today or are they just gonna line them up according to the points or, or what have you? No, Xfinity is gonna qualify this afternoon around lunchtime, but they've washed the, the, the cup series out because they got no practice in at all. And therefore, going qualifying later on today in the Cup Series, and those guys are just going to line up by by the points. So um, we've got the Championship Four on that side that are going to line up once or four with uh, Hamlin and Hamlin and Harvick on the front row. So um, you know we'll get a little bit of practice later on today, but not as much as they wanted, and you know definitely um, no qualifying. So you know I think this. Uh, uh, on that aspect is kind of an interesting deal that NASCAR would look at foregoing qualifying in the championship race um, and, and replace it with practice. So uh, I would have done the opposite. I would like to see where these guys could really, um, you know, qualify at because uh, to stack them all up in the front is uh, easy, I guess, sometimes to say. But, you know, you know, maybe one of those four guys... Uh, just didn't have a top four qualifying car. Maybe he had a 15th place car, and you know I think that that what builds the trauma up into to the championship. That you know you may have one of these odd man out guys that um, you know uh, uh, would qualify 15th and, and team would work all day long and end up winning a championship. Where you know you now we've stacked them all up at the beginning, but you know I kind of get at the same time. Well, we need to get these cars on track at least a little bit. Um, I just think that it was uh, kind of interesting in the way that um, NASCAR took and uh, uh, scrapped qualifying over um, practice this afternoon in the Cup Series. Uh, going into today's race, Justin Allgaier, Christopher Bell, uh, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, all below, above the line in and below there. you got Austin Cedric, Chase Briscoe, and John Namacek. But I, I tell you what, if we're going to look at stage wins, only we're going to look at that component only going into today's race christopher bell has more stage wins than anybody in the top four if you look at that as a component you, you might want to look and say hey this might be the year for christopher bell to bring home a championship well then no definitely yeah, there's no doubt about it no christopher bell has definitely been um very strong all year long but um you know cole coaster has been up there with him this year too and Tyler Raddick does those are three really strong guys, and you know tonight when these when they start rolling, um, all those stage points, all those stage wins, all that stuff really just goes out the window. Um, you know they 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 they've got 
no opportunities to make any any points up tonight. Um, you know, by and you know, there's stage points and stage wins. Um, this is just an all-out first-cross line type brawl. And um, while he's been strong, and maybe Joe Gibbs Grayson has played that really strong game of. Uh, getting Christopher Bell in position for those stage points and those stage wins that got him here to Homestead. Um, just yeah, just that stuff just goes out the window. Just these guys are just gonna have to run, um, get 300 miles this afternoon and um, give it everything that they can because just a little mistake uh, early in the race where, you know, just for example, if Christopher Bell would have finished 12th and in the first stage, we finished first in the second stage, and, you know, maybe Tyler Reddick finished 12th in the second stage, and they, they'd have mathematically uh, be close enough in points that they could go and run for a championship at the end. You know, this this kind of stuff just all goes out the window. This is just, you know, we, we're just going to kind of forget about that. And, yeah, he's been strong, but, you know, being strong and winning, the winning stage points and stages during the year um, got you here, but you got to remember the long game is that, you got to get across the line first tonight. Well, tonight is is all peanuts in, all chips in, and we'll see uh, what happens. Talk with us a little bit about the track at Homestead, uh, and and what is the strategy that teams, especially if you're above the line and you're competing for a championship, and and that's the other thing to talk about because and I know we talk about this every year, but it's important to reiterate, even though there's only four people, four drivers, if you will, competing for a championship and down in Homestead, there's still another field of, of teams out there that are racing for a win. And so even though, and, and, and let's also point that out, you don't have to have a win uh, to, to win the championship. So uh, you, you got a whole other field of cars out on the track racing for a win. How does – what's the strategy if you're the crew chief, if you're team owners, if you're talking to them, say, hey, go out there and race, but let's, let's uh, realize that we're, we can't win this championship, so let's try not to prevent somebody who can win the championship, uh, whether it's through a wreck or what have you, aggressive driving, what have you. It comes a point when you say, hey, I'm not going to win the championship, and it's just bad sportsmanship for me to prevent somebody else that can win the championship from winning. Are they having those kind of conversations in the drivers' meetings and what have you? Well, everybody's going to go up there and race their own race, no matter who you are, whether you're the championship floor or whether you're anybody in the wrestling field. And you've got to realize that, uh, you know, this championship floor – uh, are just trying to get across the line, you know, one, two, three, and four. Uh, everybody else has opportunities to go out there and get stage points and collect stage wins and um, perform better at the end of the race um, because that's all points money at the end of the year. You may have a guy that's running fifth right now and a guy that's running fifth, and, and those two can make up enough points to change um, and, and and fall down to seventh or eighth, or you know that sixth place guy may move up to fifth, and that's points money at the end of the year that these guys are are running for, and you know they have their own races that they have to run, but they also are in it to to uh, to to get state uh, to get um, championship points money at the end of the year, and if that means that like Austin Hill last night, for example is faster than the championship four and can go out there and win and put himself in a position that they're going to pick up valuable points uh, and, and move them up that ladder somehow 
Um, you have to think that every one of these drivers are doing exactly what they have to do in their own situations, and as it comes to the close of the close of the race, um, NASCAR does get to a point where they start reminding spotters and drivers that you know there is a championship on on the line. There's people out there racing for that championship, and that yes, you guys need to run your own race, but at the same time, be mindful to these guys that are trying to compete for this championship. And I think that's where it just does this dynamic in because, uh, you know, you just take back a couple of years where where Carl Edwards was in this championship-type deal, and we didn't know that it was going to be his last year. So, you know, you had a guy that uh, was was just out there running for points and running for something else, and and, and Carl Edwards got knocked out of the championship for <clears throat> while he was trying to compete for that championship, and lo and behold, a couple months later, he uh, walks away from the sport and walks away from Joe Gibbs Racing, so he ended his not only a championship run that year, but he ended his career by being wrecked out by by somebody else and somebody else's incident that wasn't even running for that. So, you know, NASCAR is pretty mindful in that, that they are telling spotters and drivers that you have to remember there are other guys out here, do your thing, but try not, you know, race these guys like you would want them to race you, but don't go out there and try and create an incident where it may cause one of these championship four drivers um, to uh, be caught up into something unintentionally. Well, here we got who's, who we know is competing for the championship. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. They came out of nowhere. Denny Hamilton, uh, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch. All familiar names, all familiar faces, except for one in the championship hunt, and that's Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin, uh, I feel like, deserves this. He's had this this ups and flows of a career. He deserves a championship, and he's ranked number one. Uh, go out there, race, and, and, and just uh, rack up the points uh, and win this championship. Denny Hamlin, what are your thoughts? Well, I think I kind of compare Danny Hamlin to Mark Martin in a lot of ways. That, um, you know, Mark Martin went out there and could win races and perform and do things that other people, and, and have this up and up and down kind of career where Mark Martin was at the high of the highs and low of the lows, but Hamlin's been that way. And you know, there's always been rumors every year that hey, he's out of the car and. He doesn't win and he doesn't do this and Denny Hamlin comes back and does things and you know, we saw that last year where he didn't win a race for the first time uh, in, in a season since he had started in the Cup Series. This year he comes back wins the Daytona five hundred and he proceeds to win five more races throughout the year. So he's really been put himself in a position where those naysayers have said, Oh, well, you know, Denny Hamlin's in in uh, you know, possibly gonna lose that rod. Um, then he goes to Texas a couple of weeks ago, has an issue there, spins the car out, gets it turned around, gets it damaged, but then claws his way back and is able to come back and, uh, you know, get into this championship. So, you know, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, you, you see the same things that Mark, what happened to Mark Martin happening to Denny Hamlin. And, um, you know, if Denny Hamlin never wins the championship, he should relish in the fact that that people put him in the category of Mark Martin and, you know, Mark never won our championship in this sport, but people uh, respect the career that he did have and probably said that he's one of the greatest drivers out there that never won a championship. So for Denny to be put in that same category, uh, even if 
he doesn't win tonight, even if he doesn't win next year or by the end of his career, just the people and Mark and everybody saying that you're in that kind of caliber category, um, that's a lot to, to even think about just, you know, to be put in kind of that category too. Now, he's strong. You know, these mile and a half racetracks, um, you know, he's uh, it, it may play into him tonight, but, you know, you also have other drivers out there. The other three are, well, previous champions. And these guys have won at Homestead before, so uh, but, you know it's going to be a tough battle tomorrow. But it, when it comes, I still think that when Denny Hale come back to Denny, he's from my state of Virginia. Even if he doesn't win, I think just as many people said, he's in the same kind of caliber as Mark Martin, as far as one of the greatest drivers that may or may not win a championship throughout his career. Let's talk real quickly about our rookie class of 2019. Uh, first of all, who do you think is going to get rookie of the year, and and what are your thoughts about this year's rookies in the NASCAR series? Well, um, you know, I, I know Tift is out. Tift has, you know, had his medical issues, so he's had to bow out of this thing and isn't in the car. So um, it, it really just comes down, you know, to just a handful, a couple guys here. Which, what I think is really spectacular is when you start looking to next year and you've got Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, and um, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, and Cole Custer. All three guys that are racing for the championship this afternoon are going to be in cup cars next year. And I'm going to be pre- it's going to be pretty impressive to watch these three next year. That's three different manufacturers, three different drivers that are going to go for the rookie of the year title. Um, not not to try and change, change the subject off to 2019, but really I think when we start looking to the future of 2020 and and, and the drivers that we're going to have with, with Bell, Custer, and Reddick, uh, I think next year's championship is really just going to be something to watch between all of them. As for my pick um, this year um, for rookie, rookie of the year, um, I I I think it, I think it's uh, Daniel Hemrick, but I I don't, I don't even remember without looking. I, I'm sure you probably know, but I I, I think it's going to be Daniel Hemrick. Yeah, I think I, you're totally totally right on that. Uh, by far. Uh, real quickly here, while we got you uh, for the rest of the season here in 2019, before we uh, send you off into your your off season, if you will. Uh, let's take a look at 2019 uh, NASCAR series. The ups and downs. Uh, give us the uh, Speedway Digest uh, 2019 NASCAR report card. Um, I think a lot of people have acknowledged the fact that the the short tracks and the and the road courses will need help in 2020. Um, what that how that help comes in, I'm not sure. Um, NASCAR really doesn't want to approve more parts and more pieces, especially going to a new car in 2021. But, you know, I think after we saw what happened at Phoenix last week, what happened at Martinsville and Richmond and Watkins Glen, um, hopefully, I, th- I think NASCAR um, is going to look at maybe some kind of tweak out there. So in that aspect, I think NASCAR, you know, um, you know, didn't hit the mark on that one. But this new package that they brought to the mile-and-a-half racetrack, I think it, it, it not only hit the mark, but it exceeded the mark because we saw closer competition on these mile-and-a-half racetracks where we where we, we would see drivers 8, 9, 7, 6, 5 seconds ahead of the pack, clean air with King. Nobody could pass anybody. 
Um, so I, I think in that regard, um, yes, they, they not only hit the mark, but they exceeded the mark, but there is still work to do, and I think NASCAR is acknowledging that work is still left on these uh, short tracks and road courses, and hopefully by 2020, by the time we get back, I know that they've already put out their rules for 2020, and they're going to keep the same package, but I think even they, they're acknowledging after what we saw at Phoenix last week in a mile racetrack where you had, uh, you know, seven cars on the, on the track and a, and a leader nine, ten seconds ahead of second place, and uh, even drivers like Denny Hamlin and uh, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, and uh, um, litany of drivers that went out there and said, look, you, you just can't pass. There's just, uh, it's impossible to pass here. You, you just can't get to anybody. You can't get anywhere. And I think in that aspect, I think, again, that's where we think NASCAR probably look into 2020 and see what they can do to make a small tweak at least until they get the 2021 car. So um, those are my takeaways from this season. Sure. It's been an exciting season already, and I'm hoping that we see even more exciting racing in 2020. Absolutely. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, we appreciate you joining us uh, for another year of NASCAR. We're going to send you off uh, to the offseason. Enjoy your day uh, weekend down there in South Florida. I'm envious of you, and we'll stay in touch with you, and we'll have you on as things merit. But uh, hope you have a good championship race down there in South Florida, and uh, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, we'll see you again next year, sir. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you next year. Yeah. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, check them out at SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, guys, uh, we didn't have IndyCar because IndyCar is kind of in uh, the funny season, but we do have a racing update uh, from Matthew Embry that he that he sent over to us. We'll do that. We'll go into a break and come out on the other side. Mo from the BS Sports Show, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. We're going to continue this conversation. Brawl, the brawl in the pound. Talk about get the points of view of that, of course, walk around the NFL. Uh, coming up now, though, uh, Matthew Embry are get, doing our weekly IndyCar Funny Season Race Update, and then we'll go into a break, and we'll be back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Well, Tom, obviously big news in the ECR camp with Spencer Piggott now likely not returning to the squad for 2020, of course, the former Indy Lights champion who has been a member of this squad for three seasons, his first as the road course regular, and in the last two years as a full-timer. Of course, the results, a runner-up at Iowa Speedway in 2018, a front row start at this year's Indianapolis 500. But beyond that, really not a whole lot to offer, and that may have been a major influence in Ed Carpenter's decision. Add to the fact no sponsorship money in the hands of the man from Florida. So it looks like at this point they will go with the Indy Lights runner-up uh, as far as a full-time entry, that being the Dutchman, Rhinus VK, with a big bankroll from the Dutch companies, but more importantly, a lot of driving talent, similar to the level of what we saw from Oliver Askew the Indy Lights champion, who, of course, now is with McLaren for 2020. As for Pickett, looks like the possibilities could be still an outside chance. Maybe he ends up with A.J. Foyt, but more likely it looks like he is headed back to IMSA. Of course, he drove for the Mazda Daytona Prototype International team at the major events Daytona and Sebring as recently as last year. So possibilities for Pickett, but it may not be in an IndyCar, and that wraps up 
Elsewhere, Corvette Racing, speaking of IMSA, has a new driver. As we indicated, Jordan Taylor will pair up with Antonio Garcia in the number three brand-new Corvette C8R, starting at the Rolex 24 at Daytona coming up in January. Of course, Jordan Taylor replaces Jan Magnussen, who is pulling back on his racing duties as he is now focusing on assisting his son, Kevin Magnussen, in his Formula One career. Of course, Kevin Magnussen currently with Haas F1, the American-based team out of Kannapolis, North Carolina. Now, as for the team that Jordan Taylor leaves, of course, that's his father, Wayne Taylor's prototype team with Cadillac. They have a new driver in former Indy 500 pole sitter Ryan Briscoe. Briscoe will join Ranger van der Zanda in the number 10 Cadillac entry in the Daytona Prototype International class starting at Daytona in January. And that wraps up this week in racing for the balance. I'm Matt Embry, IndyCar expert. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Here's to the straggly ones. The first ones. The, hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. 
Yeah, nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. Well, that's twice today that I didn't turn on my mic. Well, welcome back to The Balance. My name's Tom Mark Marcel Presidente. Uh, we got the first 90 minutes in the book. Thank you to Adam Jevedan, Super Browns fan, joining us, giving us his point of view of the brawl in the pound. And we're going to continue that conversation here in just a minute with Mo for the BS Sports Show. And Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. Uh, also, thanks to uh, Adam for sticking around and running overtime with us uh, to do some college football as Rick Riggenham something on the home front and come up that he had to take care of. And so appreciate him sticking around for that. And then Steve Wilson down in Homestead, Florida. It is championship weekend for NASCAR. And thank you, Matthew Embry, WSBT in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor for your weekly update. Well, let's get into it, guys. We'll start with you, Mo, and then we'll go to you, Ed. First of all, Mo, how are you? Are you ready for this? I feel like I feel like uh, Mason Rudolph is kicking the nuts. Oh, my God. What an ordeal. Ed, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right. We're going to get going on this. 917-889-8516 is our digits. At the beginning of the show, we talked with Adam. And of course, Adam gave us the Browns' uh, point of view. And certainly, uh, we're not not uh, not uh, not defending his actions, but felt, felt like that the NFL has did enough. I, I know a lot of people are calling for his head. So we'll start with you, Mo. Uh, what are your thoughts on the brawl in the pound? I think it was totally excessive and totally out of bounds. It went past the line, if you will, of a scrimmage or a or a fight on the field. And I don't know if I've ever seen in a long time that I've ever seen a bench-clearing brawl in the NFL. Go ahead, Mo. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people seem like they're shocked by it, and we're talking about uh, a game that's a violent game. Uh, and, you know, guys' emotions running over. We we hear about fights in training camp all the time, obviously not for this success. But, you know, I, I spoke with uh, Michael Irvin, the uh, Hall of Famer, uh, yesterday, and, you know, he, he wanted to say that while he thought it was unacceptable, he thought it was a part of the culture of some of these players with the way they grew up and the way things are and, and the fact that when you're disrespected like Miles Garrett felt initially that he was with Mason Rudolph falling on his helmet uh, and, and kicking him where nobody likes to be kicked, that, uh, you know, it was an instantaneous reaction 
and as part of, of some of their, those players in the NFL's culture. You know, it's a, I can't speak on that because, obviously, I didn't grow up in that culture. Uh, but, you know, it's unacceptable by by most standards. And, you know, if I did that to, to somebody on the streets, I, I would be in jail today. Uh, you know, it's just it, it was it was a bad look for the NFL on all fronts. Marquise County kicking Miles Garrett afterwards. Uh, you know, there's a, a line where you're protecting your quarterback and then there's a line where you're getting retribution for your quarterback. And I think Marquise County uh, crossed that. And, you know, the Pouncey brothers there have crossed that line a, a few different times. Uh, you know, I don't think in any way that Miles Garrett should be uh, kicked out of the NFL or banned from the NFL or even the Shakari pass this year. Uh, you know, at the facility yesterday, he was obviously uh, a lot more remorse than he was initially. Uh, uh, Mo, it sounds like you're you're popping in and out on us. Are you there, buddy? Okay, we sounds like we kind of lost Mo. Mo, if you come back, just join back in the conversation. Ed, uh, beat writer for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to get into the Eagles and the rest of the NFL talk here in just a minute. Uh, but, I mean, this is just – and I missed it. I have to admit that I uh, – at the end of the game, I kind of turned it off and turned on Guardian of Galaxy, which has for no other reason other than I had never seen it before, and I still didn't watch it. And I got this thing. Now I had to – download the whole Disney Prime. It was a whole ordeal. I almost threw my own helmet. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but really, I think we got Mo back here. Mo, are you back with us? Yeah, sorry. Mo, uh, evidently. Yeah, can you hear oh, me? Oh, no problem. Yeah, we were just yeah. getting ready to go to Ed on this. Um, Ed, here, here's the thing. And from my perspective of watching it, the play had already been completed. Miles Garrett comes out of nowhere, totally drills Mason Rudolph. Here's the thing. He had, they'd already won the game. The game was almost over. There was no need for him to, to – I could see maybe out of the frustration of a loss. I could even see it maybe being the other way around because the Steelers were losing to the Browns. I mean, after starting to turn their seasons around. We should be talking about a great one that the Browns were able to get over the Steelers and what a great performance the Baker Mayfield had. But we're not. We're talking about really all-out assault. And, I, you know, maybe it, it – maybe – the suspension for the rest of the year to include the postseason, some money out of his pocket, and maybe some anger management from the NFL, and a good sit down with the with the NFL might be enough. But at the same time, it looks like they're not going to press criminal charges. Although I agree with Mo, if you did that anywhere else, it, it would it would be criminal. So just as a and as someone who watches the game all the time, what and you're in these practice facilities and you're seeing what happens when you're seeing this what happened on Thursday. I agree with Mo. There's a bad look and a bad precedent that's being set here. Yeah, and that's that's why the NFL came down as hard as it did on those players involved. Um, you know, I, I, to say that Miles Garrett drilled Rudolph, I don't, I didn't really kind of see it that way. I mean, Rudolph still had the ball when Garrett was engaged with him, and he kind of dumped it off to, uh, you know, in the flat there. And I'm not sure Garrett knew he got rid of the ball, and he just had him wrapped up high, and he completed the, you know, completed his tackle. He didn't slam him to the ground or anything like that. He just was carrying out his tackle. And, uh, you know, Mason Rudolph kind of took exception to that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not defending any of the players here. I, I think Rudolph, if you're going to come down that hard, hard on Garrett, Rudolph probably, uh, you know, should have been suspended for a game or two or whatever you want to say. But, um, you know, I, I grew up 
in an era of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Broad Street Bully days. I'm dating myself. That was back in the seventies, <laughs> and you know there were there were routinely bench clearing brawls and in the entire NHL and the, and the Flyers were kind of at the forefront of that as the broad street bullies. And I loved it. You know, I love that style of play. You know, uh, I played street hockey and, you know, we engage in some rough stuff there. So uh, I enjoy that <laughs> watching that kind of thing, but you know, you can't do that in the NFL. I mean, you know, you can't swing a freaking helmet at a guy's head. I mean, imagine if the crown of the helmet had come down on top of Rudolph's head, he might've cracked open, you know, might've cracked, Rudolph's head had it been the other way around you know it was the kind of the cushioned part the under part of the helmet that hit him on top of the head but uh if it had been the crown you know Rudolph could be in the hospital right now with a fractured still so you can't have that you just it's just a bad look the NFL came down hard on him you know Marquise Pouncey kind of reacted to that and I talked to Lane Johnson uh the Eagles right tackle in the locker room uh yesterday and he said he would have done the same thing he's protecting his quarterback and uh, you know, he gets hit with three games, but, you know, that's kind of just an instinctive thing to come to the defense uh, of your quarterback, kind of the way hockey does when their goalie gets rough. You know, players, you see, if you watch the NHL, guys are always in front of the net trying to keep guys away from the goalie. You protect the goalie, and that's kind of what Pouncey was doing, you know, and he got three games, which is probably right. Uh, you know, I don't think Garrett should be banned or suspended for life. I think sitting him out for the rest of the year is probably the right call. You don't, you don't want to see this again. I mean, you look at what Albert Hainsworth did 13 years ago when he stomped on a player's face and he got five games and, you know, the game's changed a lot since then. There's more of an emphasis on protection. And, uh, you know, this is not protecting uh, a quarterback when someone swings a helmet at his head. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the, the what ifs. I mean, let's think about it this way. Mason Rudolph just got off of a concussion protocol, was able to come back and play. Mo, I know you cover the Browns and you're up there in their neck of the woods in the facility all the time. What was the feel uh, uh, after this happened? And let's let's also talk about another thing here that uh, that Adam brought up earlier uh, in that a lot of fans have a lot of the disdain now for kitchens. And it, although we can't directly blame kitchens for this, result of this event Adam made an interesting point that Kitchens has allowed an undisciplined team to be undisciplined how much of this if any but aren't we to the point where this could just be the straw that broke the camel's back if you will for Kitchens uh, to find his way out even if it was a good win against Pittsburgh yeah I mean you look at a guy you know in his rookie season as a head coach who you know gets the second win in a row and finally, you know, you were thinking maybe the talk would die down, and all of a sudden it's back that, uh, that uh, you know, he has no control over this team. And, you know, that's been the talk all season long, how undisciplined this football team has been. And that's because, uh, you know, it's it always going to fall back to the head coach. They don't play the games, but, you know, he, he led an undisciplined football team onto the field since day one, and, and that's a bad look for him and for the Browns. But the one thing I will say is a lot of fans have given flack to Baker Mayfield for what he said directly after the team for not sticking up for his teammate. But, you know, I, I think Baker Mayfield finally did, uh, you know, he, he looked like a captain. He looked like a leader on that team. Given that interview immediately after the thing has happened without having time to really think about it, uh, I think Baker Mayfield stood up and said, hey, this isn't what we're about. Uh, it's unacceptable. And, uh, you know, so for the people coming down hard on Baker, I think he did the exact same, the exact right thing, and that's what a leader should do. Finally, a disciplined look from somebody on this football team with Baker Mayfield's uh, quotes to Aaron Andrews right after the game. 
Drive it. We can continue the debate. I know there's a lot of different angles, a lot of different takes on this. I just, at the end of the day, I think it just crossed the line from, from being a, just a regular fight. You know, it's one thing if he was wearing a helmet, but as, 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 uh, as Ed said, you don't hit a, a basically a defenseless man. And let's, let's look at the difference in size between Mason Rudolph and, and Miles Garrett. I mean, that's, that's huge. Uh, but we'll get, continue this discussion if you want but i do want to get around the nfl while we've got time to do that we'll start with the philadelphia eagles i know there's a lot of uh, uh news and breaking news coming out of the eagles camp uh talk with us about the eagles as you get ready for the patriots i believe this weekend yeah well yeah, it is the patriots and the eagles are probably going to be without their number one wide receiver and their number one running back so, you know alshon jeffrey the receiver has already been ruled out uh with an ankle injury somehow you know having a bye week didn't Get make that any better. He suffered it late in that win over the Bears before the bye. And then Jordan Howard, their running back, uh, has a what they called a stinger uh, that he suffered in the Bear game. And now two weeks later, he still has a shoulder problem, hasn't been cleared for contact. You know, he's got seven touchdowns for the Eagles this year, Jordan Howard, and uh, he leads the team in rushing with 525 yards. And you might be without both those guys. You're already at without Jeffrey. So they went out and signed Jay Ajayi, who, you know, was on the Super Bowl team two years ago, but hasn't played uh, in over a year after having ACL surgery when he tore his ACL in a game with the Eagles last year early in the season. Um, you know, and they signed a receiver off the street in Jordan Matthews earlier in the week. So, you know, you're going to go play a one-loss Patriots team who's probably the favorite to go back to the Super Bowl as they are every year with, you know, kind of guys off the street, uh, you know, and Matthews and, and Ajayi. Darren Sproles was put on uh, injured reserve. He's probably done. His career's probably over at the age of 36 um, so there's a lot of moving parts with the Eagles and, uh, you know, the whole medical staff here in Philadelphia has kind of been called into question for kind of negligence. I mean, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson missed six or seven games. He came back against the bears, played three snaps and re-injured his, uh, abdomen to the point where he needed surgery. Uh, you know, was he ready to return? Everybody seems to think he was, but the results say otherwise he went to surgery. Same with Darren Sproles. He missed about a month with a quad injury, played against the bears, a handful of snaps comes out of that with a torn right hip flexor. So, you know, he's clearly not ready to return, but yet the Eagles keep running these guys out there and they're getting even hurt even worse once they return from injury. So there's a lot going on in Philadelphia off the field that uh, I don't see how it's not a distraction against the Patriots uh, this weekend. You know, New England, obviously they lost that Super Bowl two years ago. There's been talk about that. Obviously these are two different teams now, roster wise, even coaching wise, uh, new, new coaches on staff, Frank Reich, who was on the Eagles staff and, that mm-hmm. Super Bowl is now obviously in Indianapolis, and Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick, is now the head coach in Detroit. So these teams are completely different. I will say the one area that isn't different is the Eagles' offensive line. It's pretty much the same offensive line uh, that they had in the Super Bowl. And for me, for the Eagles to have any kind of chance, they're going to have to run the ball uh, effectively. They're going to have to take care of the ball because the Patriots have forced 27 turnovers this year, which is uh, you know, a crazy number. Uh, of turnovers to a force. So they need to take care of the ball. They need to keep it close so they can run it and hope they can win kind of a close game late. I just don't see it happening, especially if Jordan Howard can't play. He's listed as questionable. And if he can't, you're looking at rookie Miles Sanders, who's more of a threat in the pass game at this point in his career, uh, and Jay Ajayi, uh, who hasn't played in over a year. I mean, that's just not an ideal situation at all for the Philadelphia Eagles. And let's not remember there's a little thing that, that they are still a little butt sore about, and that was the fact that you took a Super Bowl away from them 
there, there's, there's that factor too. So Mo, help me play the homer yeah. card here. First of all, the freaking dolphins. Are you kidding? I lost my junk. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> we were watching it here at the house. I lost my junk, and I don't typically. I'm not typically one of those fans that yell and scream and throw things. I tore my jersey off, and I cuss and Adam Vinatieri. I was cussing Brian Hoyer and anybody else I could name. But I mean, a disappointing loss. But to lose to the Dolphins and then to see one of the greatest kickers to ever play the game, um, a friend of mine who covers locally uh, here in town says, you know, <laughs> there was probably 30 or 40 reporters all huddled around Adam Vinatieri. At the end of the day, he's just a kicker. You never see that with a kicker. So we're just struggling. It's good to have Jacoby Brissett back uh, tomorrow against a very important must-win at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, man, give me something to believe in, Mo, with the, with the Colts. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, the injury bug, like most NFL teams this time of year, is hit the Colts hard. You know, no T.Y. Hilton in there. That really puts a lot of pressure on your other receivers. Uh, you know, to try to get open when T.Y. Hilton's in the game. He, yeah, he doesn't make every catch, or but he, he puts uh, a lot of uh, focus from the defense on him, and so that hurt Brian Hoyer. Uh, you know, no, Jacoby Brissett uh, was, uh, you know, huge for this team the last couple of games. And, you know, the Colts' defense looked terrible last week against the Dolphins. I mean, not quite, to be quite honest, they, they just looked terrible. They let Ryan Fitzpatrick look like an all-pro quarterback, and, and that's a problem when you're playing a team that's that bad. And, uh, you know, we made fun of the Jets for, for losing to Miami, but I think, you know, the Colts all, overall looked worse last week. And now they come into a, a, an important division game. Uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, not uh, not the greatest season so far, but, you know, still not terrible. And they've got a pretty rough defense, and, and the Colts are going to have to step up on offense without T.Y. Hilton, and they're going to be able to run the ball better than they did last week. And they're also going to have to have much better play from their secondary, which was absolutely horrendous last week against the Dolphins. Well, absolutely. Uh, Ed, we're going to go around the league here, but I do want to get your thoughts, man. I mean, I tell you what, <laughs> I, uh, I, pull, I pulled a Miles Garrett, man, on Sunday after that loss. But I, they they got to regroup, and they can't lose to Jacksonville at home tomorrow, Ed. Yeah, make sure you keep your sharp objects and shoelaces away from uh, away from yourself there. Tomorrow. Absolutely, but, you know, you're, forgetting, you're, you're forgetting a key ingredient that Jacksonville's bringing into this game, and that's Nick Foles. You know, the magic of Nick Foles. He returns after uh, that broken clavicle in Week One, and uh, he's got Jesus on his Jaguars. side. Now. Well, he's always had it on uh, Jesus on his side. Well, I know. You know, he's always been that uh, spiritual man, but. He's, uh, you know, he he's a guy that's going to give that offense a huge, huge lift. And you know, the Jaguars are sitting there at four and five in the in a division that is so tight and, uh, you know, still way up for grabs. And it's going to be real interesting to see what kind of effect he has on that team here as they head into the final, you know, whatever it is, seven games left of the season. If he can stay upright and if he can regain that magic that he had here in Philadelphia, then the Jaguars are going to be a force in this AFC South before it's all said and done. And it could start tomorrow in Indianapolis. I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to be facing the Jaguars this week with the return of Nick Foles. You're supposed to give me something to lift my spirit, Dad. <laughs> you didn't well, get the memo I here. <laughs> I, I, told you, that's why I told you to keep the sharp objects and shoelaces away. I, you know, that's it right. Could be, it, could, it could be ugly. 
Well, they, let's uh, continue the conversation about the Dolphins. They've got the Bills. You were just up at the Bills uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and uh, saw the Bills play. I, I think a lot of I, I certainly didn't think we'd be talking about how good the Bills are this year at this point of the year. And they do have the Dolphins. And I can't see the Dolphins winning three in a row. I just can't see it happening. Well, especially after they traded away, like half their team. I mean, I'm surprised they've won, you know, this many games, to be honest with you. And the, the Bills are kind of enigmatic. You know, Josh Allen, the second year has kind of been up and down with them. And, um, you know, until he kind of can find a level of consistency, this is what you're going to get from the Bills. And they're going to have to win games with the defense. And I, I just don't, you know, I'd be surprised if Buffalo lost. But, uh, you know, the Bills are playing with confidence. So, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, another guy that has magic uh, on his side is, uh, you know, the quarterback, and he's given that team some life. But I just I, – I, you're right. I can't see the Dolphins win a three in a row. Well, I want to make sure we get your other team because you cover two teams in, in, your, in your market, what you do, the Bears and the Browns. Uh, the Bears to head out west, west coast to the Rams. Uh, break it down, what's been happening this week as the Bears get ready for a mediocre Rams. <laughs> Well, you know, the Bears are a less than mediocre team this year, uh, especially on offense. You know, they were helped out last week by the fact that Matthew Stafford did not play for the Lions in that game. Uh, Trubisky was able to hit a few things in the uh, second quarter to help lift the Bears. You know, it, it's it's weird because fans are almost more down uh, on him than they were on Cody Parkey last year after missing that kick against Philadelphia in the playoffs. Uh, you know, and, and you just look back at the Bears fan and you think, wow, we passed up on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, you got to wonder when your quarterback continues to regress, you know, is it time to, to take a look at, at trying to put another quarterback in there? And, you know, we heard the news this week that, uh, you know, Cam Newton wouldn't oppose a trade to the Bears. And while Cam's going to have to prove that, uh, you know, he's not uh, – he can be stay healthy – uh, a guy like Cam Newton in Chicago, I think, will live the spirits of not only the, the team but of the Bears fans. And, and he's obviously not the quarterback he used to be, but, you know, you get a guy who's got swagger like he does and uh, in a huge media market like that, I think Cam Newton would play very well uh, in that organization. Uh, as far as the media goes, it's just can he stay healthy on the field and, and do the Bears want to do that? You know, if you if you bring another guy in, whether it be Andy Dalton or Cam Newton, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky's career as a starter is, is effectively over. So, uh, you know, I think Bears fans at this point are, are looking for uh, uh, some help at quarterback. They're going out playing the mediocre Rams team, which is still, I think, better than, than the Bears at this point. You know, one thing that's hurt uh, you know, the Bears and Trubisky is last year the Bears scored a lot on defense, and that's something that they're not doing this year. The defense kind of come back to earth a little bit, but they're not scoring the points that they did last year, which really helped out the offense, which if you go back and look, was just okay last year. They were nothing great. The Bears' defense scored a lot of points last year for them. So uh, I think going out west for this team at this point is going to be a loss to uh, to the Rams, even as mediocre as they seem to be right now. And we've got time for at least one more game here, and let's go with the uh, Cowboys and the Lions. Uh, uh, the Lions a little beat up. The Cowboys are certainly uh, – uh, playing some good football here recently, the Cowboys and the Lions. What say you, sir? Well, Matt Stafford's not playing for the Lions, so that's a huge advantage for, you know, for the Cowboys. Uh, You know, to be honest, I don't even know who the backup quarterback is in Detroit. I know he started last week, but I can't think of his name. But, uh, you know, that that to me is a win for them. It better be a win for the Cowboys if they want to kind of 
you know, put their stamp on this NFC East, especially with an Eagles team that, you know, is as banged up as they are and uh, signing guys off the streets to kind of fill key roles. So, you know, I, I expect the Cowboys to kind of, uh, kind of win. They probably had that game against Minnesota last week. And, uh, they started running the ball after Dak Prescott had had a pretty good game and uh, they weren't able to score and get that winning touchdown late. So I, you know, I think going into Detroit, it's not the easiest place to play in the world, but uh, it's going to be made a lot easier because Matt Stafford is not going to be playing quarterback. Well, we'll certainly see what happens there real quickly, guys, thumbs up or thumbs down, and we'll call it a day and wrap it up and put a bow on it. Uh, Ed, we'll start with you. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, uh, Miles Garrett, um, we'll be back next year, and all will be forgiven. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Well, I, th- I think thumbs up on that. I don't think you can – you know, it's an emotional game, and, you know, like we talked about earlier, you can't do that, and the NFL needed to come down hard. Uh, and they did. They they sat him down for the rest of the season. I know it's going to be appealed, but I'd be surprised if the NFL, you know, kind of went back on this suspension. So I, I think he'll be all right. You know, I don't, I've never met uh, Miles Garrett. I never talked to him on a conference call or anything like that. But by all accounts, he's, he's a pretty decent guy, and he'll probably just let emotion get the better of him. But it's still a bad look. You can't have it. The NFL did the right thing sitting him down. But I, thumbs up, he'll be back uh, to start next year. Well, real quickly before we let you answer the poll question, do you know if Miles Garrett's reached out to Mason Rudolph to have a personal conversation with him? No, uh, at least as of yesterday morning, no. He was advised not to at that point because Mason Rudolph and his agent were possibly looking into maybe some criminal charges and going further with this. So uh, as of yesterday morning, he was he was told not to. I would expect that uh, that uh, if it does happen, it, it happens uh, quietly. It, maybe through some intermediaries. But as of yesterday morning, no, he had been advised not to at that point. And in, in my latest uh, report that I saw, they have decided to leave this as a football issue. And so it looks like there's not going to be any criminal charges filed uh, against him. So thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm going to think when we know your answer, but go ahead. What's your answer there, sir? Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that. Thumbs up. The NFL did come down hard. Uh, I, I think the appeal uh, by by Garrett's team uh, and his thought is to get that indefinite part lifted. That's what really the appeal is about. Uh, I think he's looking at trying to cap it at just this year, uh, regular season, maybe trying to get back if the Browns can squeak into the playoffs, which is you know going to be a hard task at this point without Miles Garrett, anyways. But uh, I, I think the key for him uh, appealing it, what he's trying to do is trying to take that indefinite cap off. Uh, of the uh, suspension, so I don't think he's looking to make you know necessarily get it reduced to three games or what have you. He's just looking to get that uh, indefinite thing uh, pulled off. So I think thumbs up, he will be back next year. I think this sticks with him through his entire career, but I think he'll be back next year. Mo, where can people find your work in masterpieces, sir? Oh God, I haven't put out a masterpiece in a while. Uh, <laughs> on my Twitter at Mo Radio Show. Sounds good. All right, you have yourself a good weekend, sir. And we'll talk with you soon. All right. Bud. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Thank you so much, Ed, for jumping on. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, always a pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can hit me on Twitter, K-R-A, at K-R-A-C-Z-E, or uh, uh, through the uh, Eagles Maven channel on SI.com at uh, SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles. Certainly encourage everyone to go and follow you there because you put up some good work with the Eagles. And you have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thanks, Tom. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Ed, 
Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SA.com. Uh, thank you to Adam Jividen and all your energy and all your glory uh, bringing uh, us your point of view of the uh, uh, brawl in the pound, if you will. Lots to talk about with that, lots of angles. Maybe you have your uh, personal views. You can follow us at Twitter uh, on at T-Balance and, and post your thoughts up there or on Facebook. I search the balance as well. Um, thank you to Steve Wilson, who's down in South Florida, Homestead uh, Championship Weekend for NASCAR, and we sent him off to his offseason. And then, of course, uh, without fail, Mo from the BS Sports Show and Ed Kratz continue this conversation, the brawl and the pound. My name is Tom Marquist, El Presidente. We'll do this thing called the balance every Saturday morning. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter and wherever you get your podcast at. We'll there just search the balance. Have yourself a good weekend. Don't drink and drive it in cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.